find posters around the Newman Center to get all the dates, but there's a really good lineup of speakers this year, um, so hopefully you can come back to other Catholicism 101 events, but it's my pleasure to introduce Father Mark Bernhard from the Diocese of Juliet. Um, he's a priest at Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Aurora, so let's give him a warm welcome. Thank you, Becca. It's good to be with you all tonight, and it's, uh, it's always nerve-wracking speaking always, but uh, in front of people you don't know, so it's cool to see some parishioners of mine uh, from Our Lady of Mercy, so OLM, right? Yes. So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, that you send your Spirit upon us right now, Lord, I pray that you open our hearts and help us to hear what you want us to hear tonight. Father, let us know and be convicted of your love, of your pursuit of us right now, of how big you are, and how you're utterly concerned about us. We ask, Lord, that you make your spirit felt here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Holy Spirit. Amen. So just encourage, um, first, uh, the topic here tonight was going to be when Becca and I first talked about morality, um, but we thought it'd be best kind of first night, talk a little bit about the kerygma, right? The kerygma, the, the, basically the story of salvation, the passion, death, resurrection of Christ. And I saw the poster over there of Catholicism 101 and see the stars on there and it's got me thinking actually of um, Genesis chapter 1 right so when we look at and just encourage when we always like when we listen to things like this we want to of course we want to listen on the discursive level but always like notice that on a deeper level Jesus is saying something to us so I may be talking about you know, whatever I'm talking about Jesus might say like might be calling us to conversion in this area of my life like he might be calling out of the blue in my heart as I'm listening something about a relationship that I have here so just encourage you to pay attention always on a, on a deeper level of listen to what Jesus is, is saying to our hearts there's an interesting in Genesis 1 right and so when we when we look at Genesis it's important to know that so the Bible, right, is really not just one book. It's 73 books, okay? So just like you go to the library and you don't pick up a book on one end of the library in the fiction section and walk on the other section of the library and read it the same way that you would read the fiction book, right? There's the genres of it. So the same thing is with the Bible. And the beginning of Genesis, right, sometimes we learn the story of Adam and Eve and we're like, yeah, hey, it's great when I learned that stuff when I was younger, but... I'm older now, right? I'm sophisticated. I'm in college. I don't believe that stuff anymore. So it's important to understand that, like, I mean, first of all, Genesis chapter one gives the first story of creation. And chapter two says another account of creation. And in some ways, the accounts of creation contradict each other. So the author, the author here is like right away saying, don't 
take this literally, that a snake actually maybe came up and talked to Adam and Eve, right? But so a story can convey truth, can convey an event without being um, liter- literal, right? Does that make sense? One aspect here, as I saw those stars there, of when we talk about God and his goodness, right? And it's just kind of like this throwaway line in Genesis chapter 1 that says, you know, it's, um, he says, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He's going through, he's creating the land, the sky. Then this says comma, or semicolon, he made the stars also. It's just this kind of, oh, by the, he made the stars also. There are, I was with the first graders at All Saints at um, the school this morning, and um, I asked them, what did, what did God, how did God create, or what did he create with? He made everything out of what? And the kid raised his hand, he said, little first grader, right? Nothing. That's exactly right. <laughs> right? He made everything out of nothing. Right? So the word there, ex nihilo. Like, that's the only, the, that's, God is the only one that creates out of nothing. There was never a time when God was not. Actually, like a very, um, a question, a philosophical question that would really get you to think is, why is there something rather than nothing? To think about that for some time. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why did, why did God create? It's not because he, he was lonely. It's not because he needed anything. God doesn't need anyone or anything. The reason why there's something rather than nothing, the reason why God created is because he loves. And so one of those things created, and he made, he, because he created everything out of nothing, one thing he created was the stars. There are 100 billion stars in our galaxy. Our, our sun, right, is one of those 100 billion stars in our galaxy. And our sun is a pretty big star. You can fit 1.3 million planet Earths inside our sun. Like planet Earths Okay, we can fit 1.3 million planet Earths inside our sun. Like, so we've got a big, that's a big star. But our sun, like, it doesn't even, like, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, right? Like, we should be embarrassed of our sun, <laughs> okay? The biggest star so far that we have found in this galaxy, this is as of last year, probably the Hubble telescope has probably found a bigger star at this point but at the time like last year the biggest star thus far is called the canis majoris star right, which is latin for the big dog which is by the like side note that's an awesome name right <laughs> or, like if you're a star like you want to like you want to be called the big dog star right so the big dog star you can fit Seven quadrillion planet Earths inside the big dog star, which is in our galaxy. Seven quadrillion. And some of you are like, are, 
you know, I saw a couple like eyebrows being raised, being like, wow. But don't lie, you have no idea how bad that is. <laughs> <laughs> you have no clue. A, a, quadri- a quadrillion is a thousand trillions. So again, there's, I saw a, a jaw drop there. Again, you're lying. You don't know how big that is, right? A thousand trillions. If you were to start counting now, and you counted to a million seconds, to one, two, three, and you counted to a million, it would, I would see you in 12 days, okay? It would take 12 days. If you were to count from now, to count to a billion, begin now, one, two, one, no, you don't count, one, two, uh, one, two, three, and get to a billion, it would take you 31 years to count to a billion. A trillion seconds from now. 31,000 years. If you were to start now and count to a quadrillion seconds, I will see you in 31 million years. You can fit seven quadrillion planet Earths inside the big dog star. And God made the stars also. <laughs> right? There is, right, and I mean, that's our galaxy. Again, as of last year, there is something as the most powerful telescope can tell us right now, somewhere around 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And at this moment, the universe is ever expanding as we speak. So whatever image that you and I have of God, whatever image we've walked into here tonight of an image of God, It doesn't do God justice. And why does this all this matter? Is the one who made the stars, like the one who made the big dog star of which seven quadrillion Earths can fit into, like right now, he's intent, like intimately concerned about you and me. Like, wildly so. And yet, because of the way of things that have, done, that have been done to us growing up, or not done to us growing up, or said to us when we were kids, or not said to us when we were kids, we struggle all the time with battling with trying to earn his love. And trying to measure up. And thinking... If I only stop doing this, then maybe he would love me. Or struggling with self-worth or doubt. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. 
And so the Lord, I think, today, as we talk about just the greatness of God and who he is, he just wants to say to us, I think, tonight, I got you. Like, wherever we're at, coming in as a freshman, different concerns galore just in this room tonight about the future. The Lord's saying, I made the big dog star. I've got you. It's worth looking at why, right, those thoughts of um, inadequacies and self-doubt. It's worth asking the question, well, well, why? Like, why is that? Like, what the heck went wrong? In other words. So God created everything out of his goodness. His most prized creation is he's creating and says, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then he gets to us and he says, that's very good. We know in the scriptures it says that he made us in his image and likeness. And so that's why we're very good. And the, the reason why we're in his image and likeness is because right, the most simple thing we can say about God is that God is three right? Father, Son, and Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So it's like this perfect communion, which he wants us to live in with him. But then, right, as it's already quarter to seven, we're not going to go through um, chapter three here, right? The fall of of Genesis chapter three, but Genesis chapter three is the worst day in human history, and there's not even a close second. Because as this perfect God and his creation with Adam and Eve created in perfect harmony with him, it all goes horribly wrong. And as a famous philosopher and teacher at Boston College, Peter Craves says, right, he describes the Kerygma in three parts. Big Bang 1, Big Thud, and Big Bang 2. Right, so this would be the Big, big Bang Thud. The Big Bang thud, right, is the fact that sin entered the world and it has awful, ugly consequences. And in order to talk about the good news and why Jesus matters, we've got to get this fully. Like, I haven't fully, even in, like, it wasn't until, like, halfway through seminary that I fully, like, grasped, like, really took hold of the good news because I didn't fully like get the bad news. And so the bad news is that we have this enemy. Yeah, that's the, like we have this idea of the enemy of being this Marvel understanding, right? Like right now my nephew, Ethan, he's got, he's got the Spider-Man suit. He's got Buzz Lightyear suit. And Isabel, she thinks she's Elastigirl right now, um, right? Like, so we got this idea of, um, of God and Satan is like this Marvel understanding that God's up here and Satan's up here and they're duking it out. They're duking it out and we just hope that the good guy comes through, that God will eventually defeat Satan. But no, <laughs> like God or Satan is a creature, There was never a time when God was not. God created Satan. 
He's an angel. He was an angel. Fallen angel. It's important. Do we... What's the reason, right? So, so Lucifer, right? Light bearer, created by God, was a was an angel. Do we know? Do you all know why? Um, like the reason for his rebellion. This is this is important. Anybody? Reason for Satan's rebellion. What is it like according to Scripture? Wisdom, Wisdom, chapter two. Through the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and all who belong to him experience it. So it was through the devil's envy, death entered the world. So the fall of Satan, Lucifer, was due to his envy. Now, what's, what's, what's envy? Do we know what envy is? Yeah, jealousy, but like jealousy can be can be good, right? Like we see some we see a good attribute in someone, right? So um like I'm jealous of Father Connor's basketball skills, right? Uh, no. <laughs> we used to play basketball together all the time in the seminary. Um So jealousy can be good, right? Like I'm like my my pastor, the priest that I'm with like I'm, I'm, I have this holy jealousy of the way that he's, um, of his, of his charity, right? And he's more patient with the staff, and like I see that in him, and like it calls forth me to be, to be better. Like I want to love better, like him. But envy is actually like noticing something in someone, um, and I then there's a. A sadness in me, and I don't want him to have it. Right, so there's a sadness in me, and I and I don't want him to have it. So that's twisted, but but I know I have that in me. I can point to examples in my life where I remember in high school, right? Um, one of the sports playing playing golf, the top golfer. Like I was number two or three, and it's like I noticed, I remember when I noticed, it was after high school, like it was in spiritual direction sometime, probably in seminary when I was focused missionary, and noticing that I had in me a sadness for this person's um, good quality. Like that's ugly. But with Satan, who's Satan, when, when the scriptures talk about Satan's envy, who is Satan envious of that caused the fall? Jesus. Right. So, so one would think God, but and Satan knows he's a creature. Right? The one that Satan is envious of is us. And so that who he that's who he goes to war with. God's humans, right? And so he shows up, Genesis chapter 3, right? And the, the account of, of um, Adam and Eve and the Satan, his strategy, Satan, right? With Satan means deceiver. His strategy is to lie. And he primarily lies about the identity of God. 
And Genesis reveals what happens every time we rebel against God. And so Genesis chapter 3 is something like a game film, right? So like tomorrow is the first Bears game, right? Kicking off the NFL season, Bears-Packers. For the last month, right? Today's Wednesday, right? So today they've been looking at, well, because it's a Thursday game, maybe they didn't do it Wednesday. But anyways, like you look at film. The tight end has a tendency to slip out and run this route. So the defense studies those things. And you look at the game film so as to study your opponent so that you can be ready to, to beat them and prepare. And so it's important for us to do that with regards to Genesis chapter 3 because Satan runs the same play over and over and over again, and it's one play. And his play is, God is not good. He's not a good father. That's what he played with Adam and Eve, and he does that, he does that to us. God, okay, Adam and Eve, like, yeah, God, God created us out of nothing. He put us to be in perfect harmony with him. It's God is holding, telling Adam and Eve, God is holding out on you to not eat of the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil. You can't trust him. And so his goal for your life and my life as he's come to wreck havoc, to steal, to kill and destroy. Like they, that's his one goal for your life and my life. He wants to destroy you. I was, um, it was a couple months ago, I um, ran across a study and preached on it. It just it made a big impact at the parish and especially the high school kids and young adults, those in their 20s and 30s, um, 2019, so this study came out a couple months ago. This is the third year in a row now, 2017, 2018, and 2019, where life expectancy for the third straight year will decline. That's the first time since 1917. In 1917, the, a world war was going on, and there was a flu pandemic that wiped out, I think it was like a third of the world's population or something. That, don't check that. <laughs> it's something crazy. For the third straight year, life expectancy will decline here in the United States. And it's not because of flu pandemics going on. Right? And it's not because of a world war. Experts are saying, studies are showing that it's because they're calling it deaths of despair. Our generation is literally drinking itself to death, dying of liver cirrhosis, overdosing. And the consequences of sin, right? So oftentimes we say the consequences of sin or the fall. Right? The fall in entered the world with sin and death. And sometimes we think of like our consequences of sin as being, we'll say, well, sin, right? If you commit a mortal sin, right? You separate yourself from God. You cut off the free-flowing grace from God to us. And sometimes we'd be like, okay, like separated from God. Like, you know, big whoop. What does that mean? Like, really, 
from day to day of being separated from, from God's grace. A powerful way th- th- for me is to think is the consequence of the fall is, is a race we sold ourselves into slavery. As I was in the chapel praying the holy hour from four to five, I got the image of, uh, I was way too small. My parents took me to see like the silence of the lamb or something, but the new one, like I just got this burning image. Like it came up in, in the air of like this woman in this pit. She's was kidnapped and was trapped in this pit. She's enslaved. She can't get out. That's the consequences of sin. Like that's the fall in enter the world because of the fall were those two things. Sin and death. Sin, and, and it's two things, the way the scriptures talk about it is that we don't, they're a power. It's not just these individual sins, but that sin is a power. That death is a power that we don't have any control over. And we know this. Every one of us in here know this. That sin, there's not a person in here that doesn't do things they don't want to do. Like, I know it's wrong. I don't want to do it. And then I do it anyways. Some of us, like right now, are sitting here, we're painstakingly aware of that right now in our lives. I know it's wrong. I don't want to do it. And I find myself doing it anyways. That's the condition of sin. It's a dominion. It's a power. And then death. It's not too hard to to look at and prove the condition and the dominion of death. I just buried another. I just buried another guy yesterday. Young, just had a heart attack after playing basketball. Father of three kids. Another funeral just came in as I was here on the computer of another funeral on on Friday of a man who's fifty years old on the deathbed at Northwestern Hospital two weeks ago. Coming up here of a of a man with his kids around his bed, and there's nothing any of us could do around that bed. Dying way too soon doesn't make any sense for their dad or for, their ch- for the children to grow up without a father. There's nothing we can do. Sin and death enter the world because of the fall. That's the bad news. And sin and death, there's nothing any of us can do about it. We've got no power against it. We're literally helpless. We're enslaved. We're shackled. And there's no way out that you and I can do about it. That's bad news. Paul talks about in Romans, Romans, chapter, Romans chapter 7. Um, he says, For I do not do the good I want, but I do the very evil I do not want to do. That's, that's a, us apart from God. It's the very thing that we are just talking about, the power and the dominion of sin. I do the thing that I don't want to do. There's other examples we can look at, especially in Romans, but um, God's response to this, the way the church fathers love to talk about and write about, was that God rescued I was telling the, actually the kids, I tell the kids always in the morning, or actually I was telling them this morning of, um, you know, I was telling them, uh, 
you know, Ethan wearing the Superman jacket and the Buzz Lightyear and Elastigirl right now. Those are great stories. Like, they're awesome. I love it. Incredibles is really good. Anyone seen Incredibles? <laughs> I think it's great. Um, I have to see the newest one yet. Um, no, it's not as good? Dang it. Okay. Oh, I think it's great. Okay. All right. I'll go see it still. Uh, but the God went on this crazy rescue mission, right? And so sometimes we get this image of God as this, um, well, we, we'll look at the incarnation, right? I've got to cut this short. So 7 o'clock, um, Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Or how, so this is a slight little parable that Jesus gives. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. The church fathers interpreted this verse. As who's, so how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he can plunder his house. The strong man is who? The strong man is Satan. And his house is the world. And his goods is you and me. So Jesus came to bind the strong man. To save us from our enemy. Namely, the power of sin and the power of death. And so that's baptism, right? When we're baptized, we the power of sin, the power of death, right? Loses its grip. You know, Paul talks about this in Colossians. He says, he describes it as a transfer of a, of a kingdom. When we're baptized, we're transferred from the power of Satan, the power of sin, and we're transferred to the hands of the, of the Father. Maybe just, we'll end here with... Um, and we're born with this, right? So I, I think of, um, again, my, my nephew, Ethan, he, um, like, this is before, I mean, he's like two years old, right? My brother and sister in law are pretty good with having him watch, like, violent stuff. So, like, he, he's got, it's, he's got a, I remember, he's playing with uh, all these trucks, right? Like, he couldn't pick up another truck if he wanted to. He had so many trucks in his hand. And then there's another truck over there on the floor. And he says, Father Mark, or he doesn't call me Father Mark, Uncle Mark, Uncle Mark, uh, come play trucks. All right, so we get down, we're playing trucks. And his little sister, who's like wobbles over with a big smelly diaper on, right? She stands over that truck that he couldn't pick up if he tried or if he wanted to. She picks up that truck and he puts all of his trucks down. And he goes up to her. And just pushes her down. Says, "My truck, right? Like that's in him. That's in him. That's the uh, the condition of sin, of selfishness. And baptism is is freeing us from the power of sin, the power of death. Right? So you say, well, how do you, Father Mark? We still die. Like we're talking about freeing us from the power of death. Well, no. As Christians, we believe that." We go home, right? We live in accordance with God's will. We're baptized. Like, we go home. Best way, 
best image I ever heard of, of, of baptism. Now, imagine you grew up in a horrible home. Brutal. There's abuse of every kind. For some of us, right, this isn't hard to imagine. Right? Maybe physical abuse, verbal abuse. And the home is always tense. And because of that, you try to do whatever you can to stay from home. School gets out. You stop at the park. You get a job. You do whatever you can to stay away from home because it's just that bad. And so imagine across the street from you lives this extraordinary family. And when you get home, maybe a nice summer night, you see out on the front lawn the father of that family. And he's out there playing with his kids. And you hear just laughter. And you walk into your house, you go up to your room, you're hoping that everyone is asleep or not around. You get into your room, you shut the door, and then you just go up and you look outside the window and you see the father chasing around his children around the yard, pushing them on the swings, throwing them up in the air. And you hear uncontrollable laughter and see it. And you look out the window and hear that and see it. And you just cry. And then one day, the father from across the street walks over and you hear, and you go down and answer the door and it's that father. And he just says, um, do you want to come live with us? And you don't even pack your bags. You're just gone. That's our adoption. That's God adopting us. The best image, right, that being this image of God, us being beloved sons, beloved daughters, right, that's why Jesus matters. It's because we had no power over the sin and death. Like, Jesus matters because I don't, like, I don't have to live in bondage. And oftentimes, as, like, Christians, we get in the deathly mentality. It's like, this is just the way I am. Like, I just struggle with this. It's who I am. Like, we talk about, like this all the time. Like, oh, that's Susie. That's just the way she is. And we say this with ourselves. It's just something that I struggle with, and that's who I am. That's a lie from Satan. That's us living in the mentality of being in the bondage and living under the dominion of sin. Because of our baptism, because of what Jesus did for us, of God taking on flesh and becoming man, and dying for us on the cross. Like, we don't want to talk like that as Christians. Paul, over and over again, is saying, you are a new creation. Don't think as a mind that lives under the, un, under the dominion and kingdom of sin. I have the power to change because of him who lives in me. I have access now to a power. 
And it always begins with wherever we're at, where we're coming in tonight is it's because we can sometimes think too, like, okay, here I am up at this Newman Center, and sometimes we think, well, like, if these people knew who I was, like, they would ask me to leave. If they knew what I struggled with, like, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want me in the Newman Center. And God says tonight, the one who made the big dog star says, I know your past. I know what you struggle with. I know it all, and I can't stop loving you. And he wants us to hear tonight that knock on the door. To choose him. Beginning of another academic year, another semester, he wants us to invite him into our hearts. So let's do it right now, right? Just close our eyes. And I just in, invite you, um, just in the quiet of your hearts, if you're able to um, repeat these words um, in, the quiet, in the quiet of your hearts, um, Repeat these words. Father, I don't want to be enslaved anymore. I thank you for sending your son to die for me on the cross. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I invite you to enter my heart right now. Heavenly Father, just ask again your protection upon those here in this room right now, on this semester, the things that may be troubling their hearts, bondages and a mindset that they may be in of thinking that sin and death has power over them. Lord, we ask that you break into their hearts right now. Help them to know your goodness. Help them to know of your love. Help them to know the bad news fully so that they know the good news. Why it is that you matter. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.